Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Locked On Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy Tuesday to you, as this is the second of a three-day stretch, of a rather odd three-day stretch, where the Golden Knights don't play a game. You figure the season started 27 days ago, and the Golden Knights have already played 13 games. So you think, do the math, it's almost two, was that a game every two days or so? I, I mean, I didn't go to school for math, I, I don't know. Who would? But in any event, uh, the Golden Knights got some well-deserved rest, or are about to get some well-deserved rest. They're off today after practicing on Monday, and Monday proved to be the day where everyone decided that they wanted to come back and play a little bit of the hockey, and we will talk about that in a little bit. But welcome, everybody. I am your host, Danny Webster, Vegas correspondent for NHL.com, site manager for SB Nation's Knights on Ice. And if this is the first time you have stumbled upon this podcast, an extra welcome to you. Uh, We are a daily podcast talking about the Vegas Golden Knights Monday through Friday and sometimes on the weekend, depending on the schedule. And looking at the schedule this weekend, we will be back on Sunday, I believe, when the Golden Knights take on the Winnipeg Jets on Saturday. So we'll be breaking down that game on Sunday. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. We are more than likely on there. And you can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnVGK. You can follow me on Twitter at DannyWebster21. And if you like sending emails, if that's sort of your thing, you can send an email to us at LockedOnGoldenKnights at gmail.com. So Monday, coming off a 5-2 to victory against the Anaheim Ducks to kind of get things back on track and sort of right the ship as we near the end of October, the Golden Knights return to practice on Monday uh, after that spirited victory over their division rival. Uh, Golden Knights now 5-1 and one against the division this year and 8-1 and one all-time against the Ducks with that victory on Sunday. The Golden Knights improved 8-5 and five on the season with that victory, essentially confirming that the sky is not falling. The fact that the Golden Knights have won 8 games through 13 is a lot better than winning 8 out of 20, which they did last year. Uh, but it looks like help is on the way in terms of reinforcements for the Golden Knights, as illustrated in Monday's practice. Now, uh, full disclosure, I was not at Monday's practice because... I was spending the day with my wife as we celebrated our one-year anniversary yesterday, so I had to rely on my colleagues to kind of spread the news that the main pieces that have been missing since the beginning of the season have officially returned to practice, and it looks like they are on pace to make their, uh, well, one of them would make their season debut on Thursday, the other one would make a return for the first time in since the season opener. And of course I'm talking about Nate Schmidt and Alex Tuck, the top defenseman and the third line forward made their returns to golden Knights practice on Monday, signaling a possible return that the golden Knights for the first time this season will be at 100% health when they take on the Montreal Canadians on Thursday. Also Malcolm Subban, has returned to practice. Uh, He had been gone since uh, the Arizona game a couple weeks ago where he was taken out of the first period. So Subban's back, Schmidt's back, Tuck's back. Everything's all right in the world. Everything is okidori. Everybody can sing Kumbaya and have a great party because now the Golden Knights are finally at 100% health. Uh, In correspondence with those three coming back, the Golden Knights did reassign four players to AHL Chicago. 
that being uh, defenseman Jake Bischoff and Nick Haig, along with goaltender Garrett Sparks and forward and hero from Sunday's game, Nicholas Waugh. Now, looking at the roster currently, I'm counting 13 forwards, six defensemen, and two goaltenders. So with those four being sent down to uh, Chicago, they do take on Tucson, I believe it is today. Uh, So they probably did need some extra bodies. I would presume that that means either Bischoff or Haig will be recalled from Chicago uh, prior to Thursday's game against Montreal. And we can kind of figure out the defense pairings for right now. It's not a guarantee that the six that are on the ice now will be the ones on the ice on Thursday. Uh, Obviously, we with uh, McNabb and Theodore at the top. Second pairing, I think, would be likely occupied by John Merrill and Nate Schmidt, uh, with Schmidt being on the right side. And then the third pairing could be Holden and England. I would rather not that to be the case, but it is very much a possibility. Uh, I would expect either Bischoff or Haig to be recalled before Thursday, and I would like to venture a guess that I think Jake Bischoff uh, at least has a grip on that third pairing defense spot uh, with either Holden or uh, England uh, for the time being. It's not that I don't think Nick Haig has done you know, a, a remarkable job filling in as a rookie defenseman on this team, but I think Bischoff with the four-game sample size, he hasn't really done much in the scoring department, but he's been steady in the defensive zone, and he's willing to make a play in the attacking zone when he does. And if you go with Bischoff, you have the uh, you have the luxury of playing Bischoff with Holden on the right. You can kind of go with there. England's not really the one who likes to play on the right, but I mean you can you can live with either or. But I think uh, if I had to venture a guess, I would say Holden will be with uh, Bischoff when uh, the Golden Knights resume play on Thursday. As for the forwards, obviously uh, with Nicholas Waugh being sent back down to Chicago. Uh, Tomas Nosek was moved back down to the fourth line after playing on the third line on Sunday with Cody squared. Uh, but with Tuck returning, he will be with Egan and glass, which is a very welcome sight for that third line. And then the fourth line returned to normal with Nosek centering with Carrier and Reeves. Now I'm not entirely sure where that puts Nicholas Waugh. I mean, obviously as I touched on, on Sunday, I think he's earned himself a little bit more of an opportunity to see what he can do. I thought he provided a great spark uh, to that fourth line. But with Tuck coming back, you really don't have the need to have Wah be on your fourth line. Considering Nosek is one of your top penalty killers. And obviously, he's very good in the face-off circle. So you really don't need to take him out of the fourth line. Even though... The fourth line finally scored goals for the first time in what what was it uh, 15 days uh, on Sunday. So you know I think Wah has earned himself a chance to actually to get another look here and there. But you know what the fact that we're finally seeing the Golden Knights at full health, I, th- I think you can live with Nosek being back on the fourth line. But with Tuck coming back, obviously that is the big boost to uh, solidify that third line, a, a line that is desperately needed some form of scoring for the better part of two weeks. Um, Brandon Peary, God willing, has done all he can to provide some sort of boost. 
That did not come to fruition. Cody Glass has not been able to to get any points on that line. So it's really been a struggle. But I think now when you get 89 back and 21 and 9 can kind of, you know, switch up the playmaking abilities and whatnot, I think you're in a very good position right now when it comes to Vegas being where they are right now. So the fact that the Golden Knights now are at full strength, they're at 8 and 5, they're still keeping pace with the Oilers at the top of the division. Um, the other teams in the Pacific are still doing well. Arizona with a big win in Buffalo last night. Uh, Vancouver's playing well. Uh, the Sharks are are supposedly on the come up, but we'll be we'll wait and see. I think the Marlowe effect has kind of died down, but we'll we'll see how that goes as we progress. But the Pacific is looking tough. And the Golden Knights, the fact that they've been able to stay in the top three, the top four, without those two key contributors, I think is huge. And it bodes well going into November, which is going to be uh, a more of a road-heavy November when it comes to the Golden Knights. They only have six games at home uh, throughout the course of November. So they'll be traveling on the road a lot, uh, starting with a uh, three-game Atlantic road trip after the Winnipeg game on Saturday. So big, big, uh, big games coming up for the Golden Knights and the fact that they're getting healthy now uh, bodes well, I think, for this team. But considering we really haven't looked at the Pacific Division, I think, since maybe the first week of the regular season, which, you know, three games is totally the uh, the measuring point of how you want to look at how a division looks. Uh, I figured we'd take some time to kind of look at the division right now and where we are. Uh, with the Golden Knights now 13 games in, and obviously still at the top, shocking to us all, is the Edmonton Oilers, who, you know, had a probably their best win of the season last week against the Washington Capitals, a come from behind 3-1 to one victory uh, to keep pace in the uh, Pacific Division. But they do have a game in hand on Vegas. They are a point ahead of Vegas right now with uh, actually no they're not a game in hand Vegas has game in hand on Edmonton so they pretty much have first place locked up by default I cannot do math I looked at eight three and one and somehow thought it was 14 I again again I did not go to school for math and for any of you that did kudos to you because I have no idea how in the world you'd be able to do it uh, but right now the division looks like this Edmonton at top with 17 points Vegas at 16 points uh, but then this is where uh, things get a little bit interesting. Arizona, once again, uh, probably not the biggest shock because I think we all anticipated Arizona to kind of take that leap and kind of build off of their success from the second half of last season. They're off to a 7-3-1 start. The Vancouver Canucks also off to a 7-3-1 start. Uh, the decision to make Bo Horvat the captain right now is paying off dividends, I believe, Without looking at this off the top of my head, I do believe Bo Horvat leads the Canucks in goals to this point, and I am incorrect. The newly acquired JT Miller from the offseason leads the Canucks with six goals. Bo Horvat has five, and he had three of them in one game. I believe it was in New York, I want to say, or one, one of those games he had a hat trick. He's got five points. Uh, but right now it is Elias Pettersson pacing them with 14 points, Miller with 13, and Brock Besser with 10. They're getting contributions from their young stars. They're also getting contributions from the guy that they pretty much went all in for and made a trade with Tampa Bay 
uh, at the draft to get JT Miller, and he is proving to be quite the addition. And then, of course, defensively, Alex Edler with nine points, Quinn Hughes with seven. Uh, the 20-year-old is playing fantastically well for the Canucks. They, they, they just look scary good. They're sneaky good, I think, is the word I used the other day. They're sneaky good. The Canucks just have that edge about them where if you were the only question really about the Canucks was their goaltending. And if Thatcher Demko was ready to really take that next step. And I mean, so far it's seven, three and one, it does appear that the Canucks are right where they want to be. I mean, to be fair, uh, Demko's three and one, he's actually killing it. I, I haven't checked Demko in a while. He is killing it right now. Jacob Markstrom is also holding his own at four and two, four two and one, uh, but Demko through four starts has a nine forty one save percentage and a one point seven three GAA. Of course, you can't really expect that to uh, to sustain itself, but the young goaltender is looking very very good for the Canucks, and th- they just look like one of those sneaky teams where if they can hang around in January February and that goaltending can sustain itself. They might be in. They might be challenging for either third place or they can be challenging for a wild card. I think they're that good. Anaheim, obviously, it's seven and six. We just saw them on Sunday. They're at fourteen points. They're in uh, fifth place. And then the Calgary Flames, who won the division last year, are also sitting at fourteen points at six, five, and two. The only two teams to not register double-digit points to this point are the San Jose Sharks and the Los Angeles Kings. Now, we mentioned earlier the Sharks, they're kind of they kind of resurged after uh, getting Patrick Marlowe back. That's kind of dwindled down a little bit. The Sharks have kind of I I would guess you could say come back to earth a little bit here, now sitting at 4, 7 and 1, but they are getting a lot of good quality scoring. I mean, Brent Burns leads them with 12 points. And then you have you know, the big boys, Kane, Hurdle, and Couture with 10 points each. Eric Carlson has eight points. But I know we don't talk a lot about plus minus, and I know I mentioned it before, plus minus usually isn't the best way to go off things unless you're playing the NHL 20 video game and you're playing on simulation mode. That would be the only time you could probably go off plus minus. But holy hell, the, the Sharks plus minus is god-awful. I mean, Burns minus seven, Kane minus six, Hurdle minus 10, Couture minus four, Carlson minus 11. Eric Carlson's a minus 11. What? And then Kevin LeBanc at a minus 10. Kudos to Patrick Marlowe for for posting a plus three in, uh, what is it, eight games now? (laughs) Six points in eight games for Marlowe. So obviously he's... He's doing his part, but I mean, it, it, the the struggles obviously with the Sharks are in net, and they will continue to be in net until Martin Jones or, or Aaron Dell at this point kind of figure it out. Jones now two five and one on the season, save percentage at an eight nine two, GAA three point three nine. Aaron Dell two and two, eight nine one save percentage three point five three GAA. Not good, Jim. Not good. And the, this was really the, uh, I don't want to say that the that the loss of uh, Joe Pavelski really hurt them. I don't want to say that the, uh, that the loss of their captain was the biggest loss. It's proving to be, even though he's had his struggles in Dallas to start the year. 
But, I mean, the depth that they lost to re-sign Eric Carlson is proving large right now. We're looking at, you know, Jonas Donskoy, Gustav Nyquist, those two in particular. Them not being in San Jose anymore, <clears throat> excuse me, them being not being in San Jose anymore has definitely hurt them. They're they're not getting a lot of production in their, in their middle six, the bottom six especially, and the defense and the goaltending is getting torched, and it's showing why. <clears throat> the uh, Los Angeles Kings at 4-8, and eight, uh, about what you would expect from a team that's kind of in rebuilding mode, kind of not. You thought they would take that, that little bit of a, of a bigger step under Todd McClellan, but Anze Kopitar, nearly a point per game. Kovalchuk with 8 points in 12 games. Dowdy was 7, Dustin Brown was 6, but after that, the depth of the Kings, once again, not getting it done in the scoring department and the goaltending. God bless Jonathan Quick. I mean, seriously, I think we all need to we all need to say a prayer or something for Jonathan Quick. I, I mean, part of it, it has to be him. The other part has to be the talent in front of him. Man, he's got to get out of L.A. If if there is a team out there who needs a goalie and is willing to part ways with a lot of assets, call the Kings. Try and get Jonathan Quick out of there. You, you're no better at putting Jack Campbell in there for 50 to 60 starts. I mean, Quick, a 4.48 GAA, save percentage is an 8.49. He's 2-5 on the year. I mean, again, I don't want to say that you know, it's all him. It's definitely part him. But it, 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 the situation in L.A. has not been fun. I, I, I can't imagine just going into there every day, going into Staples Center, going into practice every day, going from a Stanley Cup contender every year to now just this. I honestly think the Golden Knights broke Jonathan Quick. I think the Kings were broken the minute they lost, the gold, lost to the Golden Knights in the playoffs in year one. But from there on, just the Kings completely fell apart. And it really is one of the more tragic sights to see. I mean, the fact that Kopitar is a point per, nearly a point-per-game player on this team is absolutely ridiculous. Just at third, good God, maybe can someone look at trading for Anze Kopitar? I know the Kings would never give him up, but man, get these guys out of here. Just tear it down. Go with the rebuild. Continue, continue your life. Just don't do it in LA. Do not do it in LA. And again, you know, proving through the plus minus aspect, Ilya Kovalchuk's a minus 10. The fact that you have a plus minus that is greater than your point output. Whew. Oh boy. Uh, Kovalchuk. I mean, he still does. Well, he does what he does. He scores points, but. There's just not enough talent in L.A. There's just not enough talent in L.A. for Kopitar and Kovalchuk to carry them through. And I, I mean, even Dowdy, who's, you know, probably the least happiest guy in the room right now because he's probably breaking sticks every time that the Kings lose. And, I mean, God, Jeff Carter, four points, you know, to Foley, five. Kyle Clifford, four. Martinez, four. Wagner, three. I, I mean... What do you do? What what do you do? I mean, 
your your best bet. Hell, you, you, if if you're really trying to make the playoffs, if you're the Kings, which the Kings expect themselves to do better and make the playoffs this year, just bring up Kaliev. Just let Kaliev go in there and score goals. Just just let throw him into the wind. Just see what he can do. What what more do you have to lose at this point? Uh, probably not the best idea. This is why I'm not a general manager, and this is why I'm not a coach. Um, but yeah, that that is uh, the the LA teams or the LA team and the San Jose team. I guess you can say not off to a great start. It just shows how stacked the Pacific is right now. I mean, the fact that Edmonton has continued to keep pace the way that it has is kind of remarkable. The fact that the Coyotes and the Canucks are playing as well as they have and obviously they've got to sustain it i mean we've seen this from teams where they get off to a hot start and then they kind of fizzle out later on and i'm kind of looking at you buffalo even though the buffalo sabers still with 20 points lead the entire national hockey league uh the shootout lost or i think it was a shootout loss to arizona on monday did not help their cause but the sabers are keeping pace in the Atlantic, the Metro is ridiculous, and the Central is going to look a little bit interesting over the next few months because Vladimir Tarasenko is now out for five months. If the Blues start faltering, they could be a seller at the deadline, and I would not be surprised if Vegas tried to get in on there. I know uh, some colleagues of mine have kind of touched on the Blues kind of getting into some trade action with the Golden Knights and thinking certain defenseman a certain captain of the blues would be a great addition for them but i mean that is that is rough to lose tarasenko like that but the but the blues are hanging in there tied for second with nashville colorado's still keeping pace in the central even though they lost at home in regulation for the first time this year on saturday to anaheim this is going to be a very interesting year I think just the fact that we're a month in and we're seeing all the all the balance in each of these divisions, especially the Pacific, uh, is kind of remarkable. Um, again, I I would expect the Sharks to kind of turn it around at some point. I I would be shocked. I would just be very shocked if the Sharks didn't turn it around, even with the goaltending issues, even with Dell and Jones playing as bad as they are. I would expect the Sharks to kind of make a move for a goaltender if it continues to get this bad. But I, you have to think, with that talent, uh, at the talent at the blue line, the, their top six at least, they, they've got to get it turned around. And I think at some point they will. Marlowe is probably going to continue to inject some kind of optimism into them. You'd have to think at some point, right? I mean, I, mean, I never thought that the Sharks would be you know this bad out of the gate, but... I mean, we're talking Vegas has a game in hand on San Jose, and they're seven points and they're seven points clear. And I mean, I know Vegas already won twice against San Jose, but good lord, good lord. So Pacific is going to be fun to watch over the next you know month or so to see if these teams, especially the young teams like Arizona and Vancouver, if they can keep up uh, this pace. And if they can keep up this pace, it's going to make for some very interesting games in January and February, especially leading up to the deadline. Because these are the, those are the two teams, Arizona and Vancouver, that if they feel like they're right there and they can be players at the deadline, that I would not be shocked uh, if that were the case. If Arizona wanted to add another scorer, if the Canucks wanted to add someone else on the blue line, you know, I mean, the, there's a whole bunch of... Uh, there's a whole bunch of possibilities when you're talking about 
those two especially. But Edmonton is still looking good. I mean, the fact that, again, they're pacing themselves first in the division right now, and we're looking at Dreisaitl and McDavid just cleaning house. My God, 21 points apiece for these guys. It's unbelievable. James Neal still leads with 10 goals. Um, I think he's been pretty quiet for the last week or so, so maybe he's finally coming back down to earth. But, man, Dreisaitl and McDavid are just so ridiculous. It's almost unfair to see them play the way that they do, and the way that they play together is unbelievable. My God. I I, I mean, Dreisaitl and McDavid, obviously, they they score 100 points each. They're going to be... They're going to be formidable, formidable later on, but man, that is a that is a scary tandem. So the the next month or so is going to be fun to watch and keep an eye on this division. It's going to be a lot of fun. So we're kind of still in the process of figuring out what we're going to do over the next couple of days. Obviously, I think we're going to run a mailbag um, on Wednesday. So if you haven't left your questions yet, please feel free to tweet at LockdownVGK or tweet at me at DannyWebster21 to send in your questions for the mailbag. We plan on running that on Wednesday, and we're going to try and lock down a guest for Thursday's episode as we uh, get ready for the Canadians. Because as much as I would like to talk about revisionist history with Nick Suzuki making his uh, T-Mobile Arena debut, I I would like to believe that it is. as much as I would like to play the revisionist history game, as far as that goes, uh, I think it went over well with the whole Brandstrom thing. So I, th- I think we'll uh, we'll keep the Suzuki revisionist history out of this one. But uh, mailbag coming up on Wednesday. We're going to try and lock down a guest for Thursday. Uh, we're not entirely sure who will that be yet, but we'll we'll get somebody and we'll talk about obviously the game on Thursday, and we will discuss. Uh, just what in the world this team can do heading in November after, especially now that they're at hundred percent health and they can, uh, kind of get things back to normal and assert themselves as the top team in the Pacific. I think that, uh, it's going to be a very interesting November for this team. Again, they've got more road games than they do at home. I think it's six at home for uh, November. So they're going to be on the road a lot. So the fact that they're getting healthy now if they can play well and kind of put a spark into this team, I think that's only gonna, I think that's only gonna prove well for this team going forward. So that's gonna do it for us today, guys. A, a kind of a loaded episode, a little bit everywhere, but you know what? I think we got we got the point across. Uh, again, good to see uh, Schmidt and Tuck back, Subban as well, and uh, the Pacific is looking good. The Pacific is looking very good. Uh, Again, if you have a question for the mailbag on Wednesday, feel free to tweet us uh, or tweet at LockdownVGK, tweet at me at DannyWebster21, leave your questions, and and really it can be anything. It can be hockey-related, you can talk about Golden Knights, you can talk about, you know, other NHL happenings, you can ask me if I think a hot dog is a sandwich, you can ask me if I think is a a taco uh, one of the major part of the major food groups i'd probably say yes because my diet has never been one to be uh critiqued so low um i mean i drink like 
three sprites a, a game. I mean, good God, I'm, I'm ridiculously unhealthy. So maybe you don't want to ask me about uh, if tacos are a part of the major food group. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll come to that bridge if you do ask that question. I may have an answer for you. Uh, but that's going to do it for us, guys. Thank you for listening. This has been Locked on Golden Knights, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. We'll be back tomorrow with the mailbag. You can send your questions, and we will answer them. I am Danny Webster. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you guys tomorrow. Have a good one.